Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. Uh, well, without further ado, I'm going to give a quick bio of our, our speaker today. Danny Parmalee is the Vice President of Church Planting, as he walks up here. He's the Vice President of Church Planting for Converge Mid-America. And if you are not familiar with Converge, Converge is, is an association uh, of churches that we belong to. And uh, he's the Vice President of Church Planting with them. He also has a podcast, Shameless Plug. It's uh, 101 Questions Church Planters Ask. And so look, at, uh, look it up on podcast. Um, on, on every podcast provider, yeah? Every platform? Of course. Of course. Of course. Everyone. Everyone that you use, uh, he's on there. Um, but more than anything, for me, Danny, um, Danny's been a mentor and a friend. And I think if you're looking for someone to lead you, um, there's one thing, as far as I'm concerned, they need to be. Um, and, and that's available. They, they need to be available. They need to have close proximity to you. They need to, they need to answer uh, you know, when you call, or at least they need to uh, return your call or your text in the next couple days. And Danny has been an incredible leader for me, and uh, because of him, uh, Redemption has grown leaps and bounds in so many ways. And so, Danny, thanks so much. Welcome to Redemption. Awesome. Thank you. Well, it's, it's great to be here, and thank you for those that are joining online. It really is a miracle uh, that I'm here, and I say that because of you, not because of me. Uh, I had the opportunity to be part of your launch, and it was absolutely amazing to see all these people streaming in. And anytime there is a church plant, to me, it is an absolute miracle. But you add to that that you launched your church, and then COVID hit. And I honestly thought, I'm like, I, I was thinking of, Corey and, and Britt, when all of the announcements in March, I was on spring break with my family, and I'm thinking, they're done. This, is, this, this church is over. I mean, they just started. There is no way they will be able to survive. So to see all of you gathered in this room and to know that this is only a small portion of those that are also joining online is a complete miracle. So excited to be here tonight. My main reason uh, for coming to St. Louis, I, I live in Nashville wasn't actually to preach here, but instead, Corey invited me uh, to come to this leadership meeting. I didn't know exactly what it was. He said, hey, we're doing this kind of this shark tank type of thing. I've gathered some of my leaders, and each of them are going to come up with this kind of uh, outreach into the community. They each have to come up with their own idea. They're going to pitch it to a panel, and that's what he he was inviting me to be on this panel. And then you're going to choose which Uh, outreach to go with. And I have to tell you, it was the most amazing thing. And this is why. That the church, it was easy to see that Redemption Church exists to be the hands and feet of Christ in the community. And, And you may think, well, yeah, isn't that the way that it's supposed to be? Yes, I agree with you. That is the way it is supposed to be. But how encouraging for me to be able to come in and to hear all of these different creative ideas. I don't think I'm allowed to even say which one won yet because it isn't announced yet. But i got to tell you, you have some very, very exciting things on the horizon 
to be able to take the most important message, the good news of Jesus, into this community. And so excited for you guys uh, in that area. So I said, well, as long as I'm here on Thursday, I could be available on Sunday. And I don't know if he was just maybe feeling a little bit guilty, but he obliged and said, okay, fine, uh, you can preach. So uh, if you're new here or you're new online and you're like, man, I just want to check things out. And that preacher, he was, he was horrible. That's okay. Come next week. Okay, things, things will be much better. Uh, Pastor Corey does an amazing job. Uh, but what he did say is he said, hey, we're in this series on, on like misquotes from the Bible or the Bible didn't say that. And he said, what I'm wondering is if you would be willing uh, to, to uh, kind of uh, teach and, and preach on the, on the misquote uh, that money is the root of all evil. And I said, yes, absolutely. The reason why is because, number one, talking about money and possessions and resources is a passion area of mine. It has been for a long, long time. But the other reason, which you'll hear as I kind of go through this sermon, is that this specific verse from the Bible had a huge impact on my life. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to bow our heads, we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive into this passage to see what the Bible does and does not say as far as money being the root of all evil. So let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you that we had a moment just to quiet our hearts before you and to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory that your name is victory. Lord, we pray that during this time that it would not be a mere learning of new habits, some new behaviors, but instead we ask that your Holy Spirit would be active and present, changing, transforming, and conforming us in, into the image of your Son, Jesus. And it's just his name we pray. Amen. All right, so this is what I want you to do. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. It will also be projected. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read through the whole passage. And then we're going to make four different observations uh, from, the, from the text here, from the verses. And we'll kind of walk through and kind of peel back some of the layers. So 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we, can take, we can't take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Okay, so don't put your Bibles away yet if you, uh, you still have paper copies or if you have your digital copies. I love to have people underline things as we go. And we're actually going to start in verse 8. We'll come back to verse 6 to kind of end and close it. So in verse 8, it says, But if we have food and clothing... With these we'll be content. And I want you to underline if we have food and clothing. And our first observation, our first point that we'll uh, kind of extract from the text here is that having money and resources is good. And I want to start out with kind of a theological foundation and a base that is really important anytime we talk about money or wealth or possessions, giving, any of those things. And that is this. 
to simply understand that God is the creator. He's created absolutely everything. He is the owner of absolutely everything. But number three, the heart character of our God is generosity. Okay, so to just, that has to be our starting base. That we're understanding that God created absolutely everything. He owns it, but also that his, his character is one of generosity. We see this, and we see how God kind of approaches having things from Genesis all the way to Revelation. I want to read uh, from you uh, from Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So even from the very beginning, as you're reading the Old Testament, you'll see that having things, even having wealth, uh, was a reflection of God's generosity. It was even a reflection, oftentimes, of people being obedient to God. So having things, even in the Old Testament, was okay. It was even looked upon as a positive thing. In the New Testament, of course, Jesus talks about it. I mean, there were those that they were always worried about the possessions that they had, that they didn't have, were they going to eat, were they going to have clothes. And Jesus is like, hey, look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. Okay? And, and, and if, if they can have that much beauty, if they're clothed in that much beauty, and Solomon was clothed with that much beauty, how much more is God uh, going to just provide for you? Yes, God cares about the sparrows and the birds, but he cares more about human beings. So, so don't worry about it. God's going to take care of you. Just expressing the provision and the resources and to have resources is okay. And this is my uh, final one that I'll just, just share with you from 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. Now, of course, I could go into a whole sermon on giving and generosity, but uh, I don't have time. Corey said I only had an hour and a half to preach tonight, so thank you. Yeah, I know you guys don't know my dry humor yet. Um, don't worry, I'll get, I'll get done on time here. Um, but with that verse, understanding, again, you're seeing God uh, abundantly blessing and giving and that generosity flows through us. And here's what I love, even uh, being here and speaking to you, and I'm glad that kind of Corey mentioned this already. You guys are a generous church. Uh, he probably doesn't talk about it that much, but uh, you guys don't just hang on to all the funds here, but you continue to give uh, into the community. Your partnership with Converge, because of your giving as you give, you're actually planting churches all the way from Michigan, all the way down through the Caribbean, and even parts of Brazil as well, too. And so how awesome is that? You guys get it, so I don't need to give a whole sermon on that. So our first thing, verse 8, just basically setting that theological foundation. God's created everything, he owns everything, and he is a generous God. All right, so now let's look at verse 9. But those who desire to be rich, in temp, uh, rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. This is hard for me because for these verses you could just like circle almost just about everything. But even the word many, senseless, you know, many senseless and harmful desires. So our point number two is that desiring riches is a gateway sin. Okay? Desiring riches is, 
You know what gateway drugs are? Were you taught that when you were younger? Maybe middle school or high school? I know I was taught that. My parents sat me down. They say, you know, there's like, there's different types of drugs. And, you know, there's some that may not seem so bad. Well, say, for example, cannabis. Like, you know, it's, it has some negative side effects and stuff. But that's not the real problem. The real reason that we don't want you to do that is because if you do that, it's going to lead to this next drug. And then, and then maybe you'll be, um, you know, doing cocaine. And then maybe you'll be doing heroin. And then you'll be doing this. And so, so cannabis is just this gateway. We, we don't want you to smoke because smoking is going to lead to this. And then that'll lead you to marijuana. It, it's, it's the gateway drug. Well, I firmly believe that desiring riches, we'll call it greed, wanting to get rich, wanting possessions, being focused on that, is really a gateway sin. Because in and of itself, it might not seem that bad. You're just desiring something. There's some sort of little thing that's kind of going on in your heart. You want it. But you know what it leads to? If you truly are desiring riches and you have this greed that's in your heart, it will turn into other sins, I guarantee it. Because as you pursue it, it's almost impossible not to fall into the trap, into the snare of lying to get ahead, cheating, stealing, sexual immorality, murder. I'm a total sucker for like the 20, 20, 48 hours. Do you guys watch those? Almost all of them. They'll, they'll get traced back to, usually it's money and sex, but money. Someone's trying to do something, and so they want riches, and so they make some mistakes, and they, they lie a little bit here, and they cheat a little bit here, and then all of a sudden, they're backed into a corner, and so they have to hurt someone or do, you know, take someone out, murder them, and then to cover that up, and all of a sudden, there's this trap in the snare, and all they wanted was some money. Desiring riches is this gateway sin. And even if you avoided lying, cheating, stealing, and you just pursued riches on, you know, legal and ethical ways, it's almost impossible once you attain those after striving after them that you're not filled with pride and envy and power. They just seem to be to you be this gateway that leads to all of those things. In 2005, uh, my wife and I um, moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin to plant, uh, to plant a church. And uh, I'm going to try to keep this story as short as possible, but it's really important because it's why this verse means uh, so much to me. Um, we thought it was important for us to put down roots, and so we started looking at houses and decided um, you know, that uh, we would buy a house. And, of course, I'm watching TV shows at that time that were talking about sweat equity and the, you know, fix and flip and all that. And so we found this junky house in a really nice part of town, and I did a whole bunch of work on it. And uh, within a short amount of time, we got, we got the house reassessed, reappraised, and there was all of this equity in it. Okay, not real money, but, you know, equity. And so I'm watching more shows, and they're like, well, if you have some equity in your house, you know what you're supposed to do, right? supposed to get more property. So I thought, well, this is great. I'm going to start talking to realtors about getting a duplex. 
and have them start looking around for duplexes, and I'm searching online for things, and I'm searching on Craigslist, which was, you know, a little bit newer uh, at that time. And uh, I stumbled upon this 20-unit apartment building. I thought, by the way, if you don't know, most church planters suffer from overconfidence and um, that type of thing. And yes, I, I had a little bit of that. And I'm like, ah, duplex, duplex, 20, 20 uh, unit apartment building. What's the difference, right? And uh, so I'm in my 20s and I decide, you know what, I'm going to go for it. So I walked into a bank, uh, had no business doing this, uh, got a commercial loan. This is when real estate was just, I mean, it was just, just climbing and everything was going uh, you know, soaring through the roof in, in, in values. And so I, I purchased this 20-unit apartment building. Now, here's kind of the, the thing about it. If you remember, I was a church planter during this time, and church planters don't make a lot of money. Uh, we're dependent on outside support. So what I decided to do is to start a Christian real estate company. Now, get this. It was called Aquila Group LLC. Now, if you know anything about the New Testament, in Acts, there's this couple called uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and what did they do? They, they built tents to support the ministry. So I thought, this is, this is brilliant, okay? Aquila Group, I'm using real estate, and the money will be able to be used for ministry. I mean, this is just great. I mean, this is just like Christian all over it, okay? And uh, so I, I buy this property. In the moment that I signed the documents, did all the calculations, everything, it's cash flowing, $1,000 a month, Okay? So it's going well. I read a book. Uh, you can, uh, honestly, you can look it up on, on Amazon. It's, it's called Owning Apartment Buildings in Your Spare Time, okay? Should be in the fiction section. It's not, okay? And uh, I'm going in month two. You know, things are good. Month three, I'm starting to get calls about maintenance issues, and now the elevator needs to get relicensed, and the roof needs to be redone, and and then, and then I start getting calls directly from the tenants who are having fights with one another. And I'm thinking, when did I go back to college being a resident hall assistant trying to, like, help with tenants? So we hit six months. And I'm like, you know what? And the church was starting to grow and to take off. And I said, as much as this has been a financial kind of good thing for us, I need to sell this thing. So I put it up on the market. Actually, put it back up on Craigslist. And someone reached out to me. They needed to buy a building because of this Starker Exchange thing where they needed to buy a building a certain amount of time. So it was kind of a rush deal. And uh, they bought it for $20,000 more than, um, you know, than what I paid for it. I wish everyone was as smart as me. You know, I mean, to be able to make money like that is pretty good. Church planner, pretty smart pretty savvy with real estate. Fast forward a couple more months, uh, I'm watching TV, and all of a sudden the apartment building's on TV, and uh, um, there's federal agents that are escorting everybody out of the apartment building uh, because of the toxic levels of asbestos that are in this building, and the person that bought the building from me um, was having the residents remove insulation that was filled with asbestos. And so they interviewed him, and he said, I didn't even know that there was asbestos in the building. And to be honest, I'm going to sue the person that sold me this building. And I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? I mean, how can someone do that? I didn't do anything wrong. 
Sure enough, on my birthday, knocked on the door, you're served papers, you are being sued for millions of dollars. The entire price of the property times four, all of the other properties that were linked to this property, and I'm, 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 I don't own a million dollars, okay? I made a little bit of money on this sale, but not a millionaire by, by any means. And I'm just sitting there, oh my goodness. So what did I do? I ran quickly uh, to some of the lawyers that I knew in the church, and I said, this is ridiculous. You've got to help me with this. And they read the whole thing, and they said, you know what? Uh, Danny, here's the issue. Um, you didn't do something wrong, per se, but you did make a mistake. This little checkbox, about three millimeters by three millimeters, you didn't check that box. And so because of this, yes. And because they hired their lawyers on a contingency basis, they can take this thing for as far as they want and milk this. So the guy actually went to jail. He was suing me from jail. But for five years, I faced bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. I didn't know much about bankruptcy. My wife, she was crying. She said, well, what does that mean? Does that mean they, like, come and, well, are they going to take my bike? She just got a new bike. I'm like, no, they can't do that. I read, yeah, they take everything. <laughs> they take the house. We had saved house, cars, everything. They take all of it and sell it off. And so for five years, I had to hire lawyers for hundreds of dollars to try to defend this whole case of something that I didn't do something wrong, but I had made this mistake. And it was during that time, ironically, really, really weird, that, that this verse right here, godliness with contentment is great gain. Can't, you brought nothing into this world, you can't take anything out of it. And then I began to read a little bit more and how it said, you know, the desire for riches is going to lead you into some stuff. Here's, here's the deal. I think that during that time, God really even used this verse to kind of expose my heart. Oh, I had, I had slap Bible verses all over my motivation of why I was buying that apartment building. But it took some time, took some hard circumstances to really be broken, to understand that that greed, the desire to be rich, um, the, the pride, the arrogance the misdirection of what God had called me to Milwaukee for, to invest all my time, that other people were investing in my time to give my full time and attention to. And so it was, it was some of the most difficult years of my life, personally, of just not knowing. I'll tell you what, though. When you face bankruptcy, you become the most generous person in the world. <laughs> Our giving was, like, off the charts because, like, hey, yeah, you want it? Yeah, let's go. You know, give it to the church. Give it away because... Someone's going to take it at some point. Let me go on, because I know that we're running out of time here. Um, let's move on to uh, verse 10 here. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Okay, so that's, what do we hear? Money is the root of all evil. What does the Bible actually say? And this is really connected to what I was just talking about. Um, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So money is really almost this neutral thing. As I argued in, you know, verse uh, 8, it's actually a positive thing. God loves to be generous with us. But it's the love, it's the desire to be rich is the root of, again, all kinds of evils. It's that gateway sin. But it goes on to say this, and this is why I made this a separate 
point. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Craving. Desire for riches. And it says that because of that, the, the, the result is not just the bad things that happen to you, but it says that you want, that some have wandered away from the faith. You know what word, it took me a while to just realize that just popped out at me, is the word wandered. There's, there's other examples of things in the New Testament where it talks about sin, and you know, you just, all of a sudden you like fall off a cliff. That, that's not the word that's used here. Wandered from the faith. It's this slow, gradual, almost like you don't know that it's happening until you look back and you see how far you're off. Have you ever done that before? Where you, where you like walk with someone and you just change the degree, you know, just a couple degrees. So they walk that way and you begin to walk and pretty soon you go like that. I think that's so much what greed and the desire for riches happens in our relationship with God which again is the most important because yes, we can lose things. I made mistakes. I lost tons of money. Um, world was turned upside down. But the thing is, is during that time without even recognizing it, I was beginning to wander from my faith. Yes, a pastor, a church planter doing good things. But in my own heart, it was tainted. I was beginning to be distracted. Uh, Matthew, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, No one can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. See, I think that's what happens. So we, we think that we can kind of have both, and that's how we begin to wander. And it's really a matter of worship. Are, are we going to worship becoming rich, worship the resources, or are we going to um, be fully devoted to God. And again, that was just, it was such a hard lesson for me to learn, and I think is for so many, and especially living in a country of such abundance. So that brings us full circle back to verse 6, because I wanted to end on this note. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. So our last observation is you are most rich when you embrace what you have. You're most rich when you embrace what you, um, uh, when you embrace what you have. Here's why I think that this is uh, so great, is that, you know, as, as Paul is writing even to the Philippians, uh, you may know this verse where he talks about um, saying, I've been in need and I've had plenty. And I love this. He says, but I have learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. See, it wasn't Having money or not having money that was, that was bad, it was contentedness. By the way, can I tell you another lie that you guys, um, people will say money doesn't make you happy? Yes, it does. It does. Don't let people tell you. If I gave any of you money right now, you would be happy. But happiness is different than contentment. It's, it's very different. Happiness is very temporal. It's, it's short. Short-lived. But if you get a bunch of money, I promise you, you're going to be happy. It's great. But that's different than being content. Where your soul is at peace and you're good whether you have a lot or you don't have it. It's not dependent on that money. 
And having a right relationship with God is the most valuable and secure treasure. That is the secret that the Apostle Paul was talking about. What he was saying is, is I have a relationship with God, and it doesn't matter. Nobody can take it away, whether it's your fault, someone else. Like, money can get taken away from you. Possessions can get taken away from you. But your relationship with God through Jesus Christ cannot be taken away. It is secure. And it's the thing of most value and of most treasure to us. And this really is the gospel message. This is what we live for. This is what we preach. And it, it is even tied to generosity when we understand the generosity of God that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that just amazing? We didn't deserve the forgiveness of God, but God said, no, I love you so much. I'm going to be so generous. I'm going to give my one and only son, that he would die a brutal death on the cross, raised on the third day, that you might have the forgiveness of sins. And if we, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Christ, are able to embrace that, we will be able to find true contentment in life. Yes, there's going to be times where God blesses us with lots of things, and that's okay. As long as that generosity is continuing to flow through us, and this isn't some sort of like prosperity gospel thing, like, hey, give money and then you can, you know, maybe buy a jet. Like that, that's working for the guy on TV, but it's only working for him, not all the people that are giving him all the money. But instead, when we realize and recognize the generosity of God, we can be content in that. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we do just praise you and thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you even for trials. God, I thank you for even as difficult as that time was in my life, it was the biggest blessing to have all financial resources just really ripped away, stripped away to be able to depend upon you. God, thank you for showing me just my utter need for you and my own sinfulness of being lured into the snare, the traps of greed and desire for money. Lord, I pray even for this church right now, God, many, many people have a good amount of resources. They would continue just to be generous that if there's times in which Satan is trying to deceive them, Lord, that you would gently convict them and have them worship you and you alone. Lord, help us all to understand that our greatest treasure is you. And Lord, if there's someone in this room or there's someone that is watching online that hasn't given their life to you, that they haven't accepted your grace and forgiveness, that right now by the power of your Spirit, that you'd convict them of their sin, that you would remind them of your love and then their own words that they would cry out to you say yes God I am a sinner forgive me of my sins yes Jesus I believe in you I believe that you lived a perfect life that you died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins come into my life make me a new person I surrender my life to you and God, for the rest of us, that we would treasure that and treasure that alone.
In Jesus' name, amen.